Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello again and welcome to the Irish Examiner Sports Podcast. Well, we've lots to get through on today's show, including a very interesting conversation about injuries being suffered by young GA players, and that's coming a little later in the show. But first, we're going to take a look at the Cork Senior Hurling Championship getting underway uh, fully and properly this weekend. We've gone through the divisional and the college sides and everything like that. Now the uh, clubs are out in force this weekend. Dennis Hurley and Owen Cormacan are here in our studio uh, today to uh, chat through what's in store uh, lads I suppose I'll start with you on uh, kind of a, a different viewpoint to the championship this weekend given the new championship structure set to come into play in 2020 yeah there are almost um, two elements to this year's county senior hurling championship the race for the county title and then I suppose the race to be involved in next year's premier senior grade which will comprise of 12 senior hurling clubs we have 19 at present so only 12 are going to find themselves in that top tier next year seven are going to lose out um if you make this year's quarter final you're guaranteed premier senior status for next year so i suppose a lot of clubs will be targeting just get into a quarter final um and irrespective of how they fare thereafter you know you've guaranteed top flight championship hurling for 2020 if you don't make it um to the quarterfinals this year then it becomes a small bit of a lottery because the county board have yet to decide whether it'll be grading over the last four years or whether there will be playoffs um so a lot of clubs might be looking back at their record from previous years and saying god you know we didn't fare too well you know we need to make it to a quarterfinal otherwise we're going to find ourselves in the senior a grade next year which will be the second tier of the cork senior hurling championship so i suppose it it certainly makes this year's county championship more interesting because there's um an intriguing subplot there underneath the um the main title race yeah uh it, it certainly does add uh, an extra layer of, of intrigue um and looking at the draw then um, you know the the standout tie I suppose is is Middleton and Glen Rovers and one of those will have to be going the long way this year. But you know going on the rankings that were published by the county board, um, based on the previous three years results, both rows wouldn't really have anything to worry about. One team that probably are feeling that they might have an uphill struggle is Charleville, who won the Premier Intermediate last year, and the county board went with the system whereby. Charleville and Vermoy in, in the Premier Intermediate winners, neither of them have any points in this table because it was considered that a Premier Intermediate mm. win wasn't, you know, couldn't be equated to any number of victories at senior level. And as well as that for Charleville, they got the advantage or disadvantage of playing the winners of the preliminary round game, which was Aaron's own and Barry Martel on Saturday night in Parky Ring. So that game it won't be this weekend. It, it's a bit later on. But as well as that, uh, 
just possibly making it a bit more difficult for Charleville is the fact that the league structure has changed this year. Until this year, if you won the Premier Intermediate Championship, you automatically went into the Senior Hurling League, whereas then there was a three-division Intermediate Hurling League before that. Things have changed this year, so it's it's like the football. Uh, it's Division 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and Charleville are in Division 2. Mm-hmm. So the only senior team that they'll have play that they will play in the league this year is Carrick Tool who were relegated from the senior league last year and that has to be um you know ma- making it a bit tougher in terms of preparation for making the step up to senior level do you think there's a good buy-in from the clubs we were having this conversation last week about the football and the golfing class some of the score lines we were talking about Dennis <laughs> this very studio seven days ago after the first round of the football championship doesn't seem to be that much in the hurling to that extent but is there the buy-in though from the clubs that this is the way to go i i think there is you know there, there has to be a sense that a 12 team championship makes for a better more competitive championship and the winners will ha- have earned it that's not to say that the winner of a bigger championship won't have earned it but there'll be games where they won't have been tested as much and there's a lot of kind of time spent you know whittling it down when there's a kind of inevitability about the outcomes so i think there is uh an acceptance that in order to compete more in the munster and all ireland club championships cork need more of a, a furnace of a, a senior championship because you look at it apart from newtown chandram the last cork team to win munster was middleton and that was uh nearly three decades ago I saw that merit table has been published with regard to your results over the previous years and where you stand. Did I misrepresent? Has it been decided if the grading process will be determining the... The, the, the vote at the county board meeting was that it would be for the previous three years and this year Okay, uh, would be taken into account. So yes, the four years uh, yeah. to decide the remaining four spots if you don't make a quarterfinal. Exactly, yeah. Okay, and was there much... Was that a... It will, the, the vote was either just to base it on this year... Or going back or, four years. And... Uh, I, I suppose it was it, it was fairly resounding in, in favour of the, the longer time period. Maybe that's because more teams feel that they have a better chance um, of of kind of profiting from that. But uh, it was it was fairly uh, fairly clear cut vote. Okay, so I suppose yeah, you're right to say that everyone has a head start on Charleville because yeah, and and from all in the in the uh, football as well. But y- you look at it. You know, they they were coming in as the 19 teams to senior grades. So almost by definition, they wouldn't be in the top 12. Bride Rovers, they're playing Douglas. They'll be up against it a small bit, round three the last two years. Will they, they'll need to be making a quarter final, will they, to to make sure of their Premier you Senior You would expect so. They looked like they were going well, I think, was it 2016? They got to a quarter final. Yeah, and actually lost to Douglas Um Having having had a very good start to the year, it was a game that they came into on a good run of form and started well, and just Doug, Douglas kind of caught him. Um, so yeah, it 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 does put pressure on teams coming in to to games like this, you know, in the the dual sense to win just to get their championship off to a good start, and knowing that there is this uh, calculation taking place based on on what's happening. Bishopstown, I can't recall where their standing was in the. The merit table, but I imagine because they haven't been too frequent at the latter stages of yeah, the championship since, since the final in twenty twelve. They haven't really kind of pushed on from that. So a similar kind of a, a situation. 
Yeah, it just yeah, it just makes it massively interesting um, because if you don't make a quarter final, then it does become a small bit of a lottery, especially if you haven't been up to the standard in um, in recent years. Douglas are playing Bright Rovers. Um, like on paper, they just look exceptionally strong. If, yeah, if, if everyone's fit and healthy, it, it's always the way with Douglas. It's, it's that dirty word potential. Yeah, you know, it, it's like um, you're expecting them to. Uh, to kind of really, really make it, and they've been re- they've reached a few semi finals. Like you know, it, it, I suppose it, it it's it's not necessarily a failure on their part. Like you know, only one team can it every year. In McKilly have been outstanding the last two years. Glen Rovers were uh, caught above everyone else the couple of years before that. But like you say, with the options available to Douglas, especially attacking options, you know, if if at all. If, if everyone is available, then they have the power, you'd imagine, to outscore pretty much every team, maybe with the exception of Emma Kelly. Yeah, their full forward line for a recent league match, I think, was Brian Turnbull, Shane Kingston, Alan Cadigan. Like, that's the envy of nearly, I'd say, the majority of clubs in the country to have a full forward line. Oh, well, that's it. And even the, the past years, they, they've had players like that. And I suppose being a dual club brings its own challenges and they've been lucky with injuries. And it's the double-edged sword of having players on the court panel who you don't see for most of the year, the inter-county season ends and you're trying to plug these guys back into a team that might have been performing well without them and then you kind of risk the disruption. You mentioned in McKilly there, I suppose we've spoken a lot about the, the grading process and who's going to be involved in Premier Senior next year. That doesn't really concern in McKilly. No, um, the, the, the winners of the, the divisional section will play a third-place team for a quarter-final spot. Um, I suppose their focus is on three in a row and like at this moment of time even though it's a long way out they still seem to be the team that would be a small bit ahead of everyone else breeze through the college's division section I know they're going to get tougher challenges yeah they, they played they played Carrickdown and Carberry and they won both of those at their ease without needing to push themselves uh, don't think they scored a goal in either game they scored but 31, 31 points, points and 24 yeah. points they were just happy to take the points from out the field you know they, they didn't need to get out of second or third gear it was a uh, a good kind of a good way to, to get off the ground and I suppose they're in cold storage now uh, until the latter stages obviously they they do play a lot of challenge games and train a lot and that's been the secret to the success because in McKinley have had talented hurlers all this time and you know it's no accident that the past few years they have really come on strong Fergal Condon and Derek Barrett have really um, put together a good setup there and like you said, they're the team to beat, um, and it, the team that does beat them will have uh, will have pulled off a, a big achievement. Yeah, the summer break doesn't seem to have ne- have done them any harm um, in recent years. And our thanks to uh, Owen Cormack and, and Dennis Hurley for their thoughts on the Cox Senior Hurling Championship action getting underway on Friday, running right through the uh, weekend, Saturday and Sunday as well. And don't forget, we'll have match reports and analysis in the Irish Examiner and on irishexaminer.com. Now, one of the big stories from last weekend's Cork Senior Football Championship emerged on in Castlehaven, where Island Rovers defeated Carberry Rangers 2-9 to 1-9. After the game, Dennis Hurley spoke to Floro Driscoll, the Island Rovers manager, who was delighted at coming out on top against a local rival he has always admired. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, <laughs> it's hard to talk about it after the game. That means so much to us. I mean, I know it's only first round, but for us, we haven't won a first round in a long time. Yeah. We're playing one of the best teams in the county. Like, they're a team that we always like look up to and say, we need to be like them, like a rural club, really grow, um, 
uh, great players, keep their core players together and keep building around them. And, uh, you know, we knew, we knew we had to be at our very best today and it was tough conditions. Yeah. And I think we really, really played well with great, great, great desire, great intensity. And uh, we got some great scores and the opportunities uh, came up. So you, you were against the win in the first half. Was that the plan or did you win yeah, the toss? Yeah, well, yeah, we, we didn't care. We were played free the way, but if it yeah. came, we said we go against the wind. And uh, I, t- I think what really helped us out is two goals in the first half. Yeah, yeah. was really going to set the tone. I think in the first half as well, Cab Rangers are coming back into it to keep the, I think, nine wides. Yeah. Uh, and that's because we really had to put pressure on them and we did put pressure on them and they had to force it a bit. So I think getting those two goals really kind of set the tone. And obviously, if you can see two goals very hard, yeah. that's what happened Cab Rangers. And then in the second half, they, they were coming back. Actually, I, I yeah. suppose they were playing better against the wind as well. And there was even yeah. long period over the score, but, yeah, but there's no panic. And yeah, we got a couple of nice points to start the second half. But we, we talked about that. We were going to, they were going to react. Then, um, you know, John Hayes, unlucky for them, didn't start with Ninja, yeah. but then he came on. Like, they have some great, great players, and they were going to come at us. Uh, we defended well, but they, kicked, they got within a point, like, and it looked as, you know, they had the momentum. We had just had to, we got on a couple of subs, we did absolutely fantastic, and, uh, you know, just really helped us get over the line. And, and especially after last year, you know, when you were caught up in the relegation battle, it must be great just to put yourselves on a positive footing. It, it, it is, I, I mean, football is probably simple, but it's hard to do it. And last year, we were struggling to get, like, 10 or training. This yeah. year, like, we're getting 30 of training, and the lads are really up for it. And it shows, I mean, everything shows. Like, we lost Cargillan last year, I think, by a point, but, you know, it, we weren't prepared where we are this year. This year is, like, just, like, a different group, and yeah. it's fantastic. And especially to, to get a win like that when you're missing guys like Kevin O'Sullivan, David Coffin, Alex Hassett, Stephen Leonard. Stephen Leonard, yeah, I mean, yeah. We've all as well, like, Davey Ryan, Kevin, and have players like that who are injured. So, yeah, like, we, we, we have the players that just keep it together and keep driving on. Yeah. Some are guests disrupted now, players going to stage, we few going to stage, but you know, we're missing players today, so we're missing players next day, so it's the uh, next man up really. So. Now on Sunday, the Irish Examiner, in conjunction with the Cork County Board, carried a live stream of the Premier Intermediate Football Championship clash of Bela Hungarig and Neva Bon, a game which Bela Hungarig were victorious. After the match, our match analyst, Paddy Kelly, talked about the difficulty first-round winners now face with a long wait for their next game the overall standard of the Cork Club Championship, and what the summer holds for Ronan McCarthy and the county team. Well, let's talk about the winners, though. Bill and Gehrig, considering the situation they found themselves in, a man down and trailing, it was some final 20 minutes. It was very impressive, uh, if you include as well the couple of shortens who were missing, a couple of their bigger players um, in the second half there. I thought Kino Danina at number 11 was, was fantastic and as I mentioned, Conor Ford there, banged in one, two, I'd say in the last number of minutes so they'll be delighted with their, their hours of work. Um, you know, the conditions like today you, you can't take a huge amount from it but uh, it's just get the job done and then Probably you're talking about a three or four one gap now for for both teams possibly. So um, Ballinger just like to just get over the, over the win and um, get the bragging rights for the summer. We were talking about that last week with uh, Conor Mack up in our first game in Kilchanic. It is equally as difficult, if not more so, for the winners, Paddy given that they will probably have a longer way to see action again. Oh, definitely. Um, and it's, it's a hard one to judge in terms of how you, how you gauge your training for the summer. Um, you know, we're middle of April now. There's a good chance they won't play till till middle of August or even September. 
last year first round we played it was a 20 week gap team we played our first and second round game so it can be very very hard to, to gauge and by the time the, the second round comes in or the fourth round comes in in August or September the first round is forgotten about you could have five six changes to your team so there's very little value in this in this win in terms of um, uh, preparing for the next game it's just you know you've got over the line you don't have the worry of, of um, being knocked out earlier relegation although that is that is quite difficult to achieve in, in the current uh, setup. Okay standard of football in the county championship last weekend, in general, where where do you think uh, things are at in Cork? I think with the, I suppose the, the change in structure for next year is is a positive. I think um, our our county championship drifting up to 19 teams in the last number of years has probably diluted the the quality. Um, you saw a lot of one-sided games last weekend. Um, you know the, the 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 clubs decided on on option A for next year. Um, which will, will change things up a bit. I think the last couple of years, the first round has gone on very stagnant. Um, you know, you'd always kind of feel even if you got caught in the first round, you have a loser's round, um, and the, the quality mightn't be fantastic there. But I think next year, now at the group stage, is twelve teams. It's going to be very, very competitive. Okay. What about Paddy Kelly, the footballer? How is he going? And not bad. We're not. We're the we're the last team out. We're um we're playing against Skibbery now. They won the preliminary round, so our hurlers are out now Friday. So. Um, yeah, it's it's you know four for round you're always apprehensive. You don't know where you're quite at yet. We've won two, drawn one the league, so we're, we're going okay. But um, Skib will be a tough test for us now. We're there after a championship game already, and by all accounts, we're impressive enough against Carrigaline. But uh, again, it's a, it's a long season ahead. You know, just try and get through the first round and then and ramp up the training in the summer. Difficult spring for uh, Cork football. Would you go along with the the doom and gloom? Uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 tough going to see Cork in relegated Division Three. You know, it's 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 hard to believe we could be outside the top sixteen, um, but that's the way it is. That's you know um, that's their lot. Um, I saw the, all the home, the three home games. Like in uh, the, the third game was their most impressive one against Donegal. They gave a good fist of it. Uh, they won up in Armagh the last game and they, and they beat. Uh, they won their, their third last game as well against Tipperary away from home. So in the last three games, they won two in their home forms against Donegal, who would have been the best team in the division. They, they, they put it up to them. So there are some signs of encouragement there. Um, they've, they've Tipperary, I think, possibly in the, in the semi, more likely in the most semi-final. Again, win that and you face Kerry. Granted, Kerry will probably be too strong this year for Cork, but you're then one game away from Super 8s. And, you know, depending on the draw last year, they got Tyrone, the toughest mm. of all draws they could have got, you know, turned out to be the, the honour finals. Is, is Super 8 a realistic ambition for Cork? At the end of the day, you beat Tipperary and you, you, you lose to carry your one game away from Super 8s. Now, people wouldn't put Cork, I'd say, at the moment in the top eight teams in the country, but that's not to say the, the, they, they might get a lucky draw or they might get a, you know, they might improve as the summer goes on. You know, it's a tall ask, it's a tough, um, it's a tough stationer at the moment, but they are where they are. The, the lads inside are working incredibly hard since, since very early last, last year. I mean, once Cork got knocked out from ty against Tyrone, a lot of those lads are on gym programs and running programs, so they're putting in savage, savage effort. It's, it's just tough going. They're, they're, um, they're struggling. Uh, their confidence is low, as you can see. Obviously, that comes with, with poor results and poor performances. So, um, they look, the first day out against Tipperary is a big one. If they can win that, um, just consolidate themselves as the, as the second or third best team in Munster, and um, you know, hope to close the gap between Kerry after last year's um, hammering. But uh, it's, it's, it's hard to predict. It could go either way with Cork, to be honest with you. Now, a little earlier this morning, I sat down with Declan Bowler, consultant orthopaedic and sports surgeon with the Bon Secours Hospital here in Cork, to talk about the growing number of young players availing of his services. So Declan, hips, is there a, an epidemic on the way? Um, epidemic, I suppose, might be too strong a term. Um, we, we certainly are recognising um, and, and being presented earlier with uh, injuries in the hips, uh, 
from people at, at a much younger age. Um, I think what we've started to appreciate uh, in the last kind of 10 years or so is that all those x-rays that we may have done in the past and have been uh, deemed as normal mightn't have been quite as normal as we thought. Um, and uh, with the advent of MRI scans in the last 10-15 years, we've started to appreciate that people, even at a very younger age and in their teenagers, teenage years, um, can have damage to their hips. Um, this concept of um, hip impingement or, or the, the athlete hip uh, has certainly come into vogue since 2003, since it was first described. Um, and the worry that we have in, in medical circles is that uh, the incidence of it is increasing uh, because guys are playing a lot of sport um, and maybe overtrained. Uh, and the impingement, we now believe, is an excessive load on the developing hip. Uh, and so some of the studies have shown that uh, if you're playing the one sport and you're excessively loading it by training, you know, four or five days a week, and that, that, that there's a risk that this develops at a very young age, and this then can cause damage later on in, in your 20s and 30s. You mentioned they're a very young age. What age group, what window are we talking? We're talking from 12 and 13 on, uh, when the growth plate at the hip is still open. And um, as I said, the latest uh, theory we have is that there's excessive loading on that hip um, because the kids are, are probably playing too much. Um, now, how much is too much is difficult to determine, um, but the worry we have is that we now know about it, we're now looking for it. Um, and, and the question is, what do we need to do in terms of uh, minimizing the risk of um, excessive loading on the hip, whereby they develop this bump or this impingement over the um, head-neck junction of the hip? Do you think it's a case that uh, underage teams now, we look at senior success and we look at all the training that goes into it. Like if you look back 10, 15 years ago, under 12s, it was maybe two or three laps of the field in a game. Whereas now they're doing drills that county teams were probably doing 10 years ago. Yeah, indeed. I mean, there's no doubt the game has changed, um, you know, rightly or wrongly. It's just a different game. Uh, when you look at the high-level inter-county teams, these guys are bigger. They've spent, they spend a lot of time on strength and conditioning, um, some of which has come in from the rugby side. Um, and obviously, you know, when teenagers look at their um, their idols um, and their role models, they look at the inter-county teams and they look at to see what they're doing. Um, uh, certainly, uh, and it's become fashionable now for teenagers, especially young young boys and young men, uh, to go into the gym from 14 and 15 up to, to build themselves up. Now, whether that's a fashion or whether it's uh, a need for training, etc., remains to be seen. Um, but, but the game has changed. Um, I, I think all we can do in the medical profession is to look at reasons as to why uh, people are developing these conditions or people, uh, why are they being injured and, and, and assess whether there's anything we can do to try and minimize that risk. Uh, so the, it can be broadly defined as one uh, injury prevention in terms of a structured warm-up which the GA and Ferns have supported for a number of years now and, and, and the GA15. Uh, and two, uh, the much more difficult one is, is overtraining, uh, especially in, in the, the better players who are asked to play you know, one and two years ahead of, of, of what their ages are. So it's, it's uh, injury prevention in terms of structured warm-up and, and minimizing the risks of overtraining. What do you mean by the phrase structured warm-up? So um, a couple of years ago, the GAA noticed, uh, as we all did, that there was a dramatic increase in, in knee injuries. Um, and um, they supported a study that was uh, published some years ago in the American Journal of Sports Medicine by John Murphy in, in Dublin. Uh, and and they, they essentially looked initially at uh, um, how much injury there is in sport in, in the GEA, both in football and hurling. 
And based on that initial research, um, the GAA then went on to support the concept of a structured warm-up program based on uh, a warm-up program that was first developed in women's soccer players in the U.S. and California uh, just at, 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 at about 10 years ago now. Um, and the logic behind it is that uh, within an eight-week period, by getting the players to go through um, a series of, of warm-up exercises, um, that we can reduce all lower limb injuries by up to 50%, which is incredible. Um, challenge with this, and the reason why I suppose the public haven't heard about it more, is impl implementing this is a big, big challenge. Um, because what we're trying to do is empower lay people, i.e. the coaches, to identify those players who are at risk of injury. And that's a tall ask for someone who may not have any medical background at all. Okay, so how do you go about achieving something like that? Well, um, I, I've been engaging with, with GA here locally uh, to try and help in any way I can with this implementation. Um, and uh, thankfully, we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Um, implementation is an, an actual medical science. There's a journal of implementation. Um, and there is a, a recipe, as it were, as to how one goes about this. Um, and uh, you know, the first step is, is, is to actually source funding. In, in terms of, okay, you know, this is not going to be cheap. You need to have uh, a small source of funding to try and ensure that this is successful. The next step is then to get uh, a members of a committee together to try and work out, well, how are we going to implement this? So it's a step. It's a, in fact, it's a, it's a seven-step program uh, in terms of the successful imp implementation of any type of um, prevention program like injury prevention. Um, but it's a challenge, and um, I, I think the GA, in fairness to them, have supported it, and, and, and they're keen to implement it. But it's it's a it's a it's a it's a big big challenge. What about the buy-in of coaches on the ground? Do you think that they themselves acknowledge that young fellas and young girls are under probably too much pressure? Yeah, I, I think you know when I when, and it's funny. I mean, obviously, I see the very skewed population of people. I see the guys who are are, are already injured. Um, and invariably, uh, the coaches will listen. Um, they are interested. We, we've had, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, when I came out to Cork, we had a number of warm-up workshops in various clubs around, around the city and county, and the, the buy-in from the coaches was, was, was very good. There was a huge interest. The problem is that they need more support than that. Um, as I come back to, as I said earlier, um, there, there is you know, a seven-step program as to how to successfully implement something. Um, it, it, there needs to be a very much public awareness. The coaches need peers uh, to look to uh, in terms of um, how they're getting on. Um, and, and they need more resources than simply one workshop. Um, and that's the challenge, is that it, it needs buy-in really from Crow Park that... You know, it's like the, he the uh, helmets of the Mogars years ago. Uh, it, it's now compulsory, and I'd love to see a day whereby a structural warm-up is, is compulsory, whereby you know the coaches have to spend that you know 15 minutes or so before training to ensure that they go through the the warm-up exercises um, and try and minimise the risk. Now, again, the irony here is that you know we we cannot prevent all injuries. That's not the way the sport is. There's always an element of risk with, with sport um, um, and you can't get rid of all injuries but, but it's the more non-contact injuries that, that we can minimize. Uh, and one very important point that, that, that I have to stress is exercise is medicine. You know, the idea of, oh, I'm not going to let my son or, or daughter play GA because the risk of injury is, is just swinging the complete other direction. Uh, I want to encourage sport, I want to encourage participation in sport, whether it's GA or rugby or soccer, but we need to do everything we can to minimise the risk of injury. In terms of the injuries, Declan, that, 
that you see and uh, the hip area that we're concentrating on today, what sort of percentage of your time is taken up with these specific injuries? Um, well, my practice is is uh, very much, I suppose, sports injuries, um, and it's, it's it's focused on the lower limb. So, uh, when you look at it, I suppose from the number of patients that I'd see, I'd say maybe you know twenty percent of my patients would be hip related injuries, um, and the rest of them would be would be well, it's mostly knees, and that just reflects the nature of the sport that we have in this country. Uh, in the US, it would be you know shoulders and elbows because of baseball, whereas in Ireland, a lot of the knee, a lot of the injuries are knee injuries and ankle injuries um, so about 20% of my patients would be uh, hip related uh, now anyone who comes to me for a hip consultation doesn't mean they have to have surgery but what we need what I do in it with every patient is is identify what the problem is explore the options with them and try and work out what the best option for them is um, and it's the, find that balance uh, you know um, yes the number of hip arthroscopies has dramatically increased in the last number of years um, I tend to try and strike that, that middle ground uh, whereby I certainly am keen that, that patients exhaust a more conservative approach first uh, and try um, a, a hip and core strengthening program. Uh, but sometimes that mightn't work out and, and they're still quite symptomatic and um, they end up having having keel surgery. Just a, qu- a question. In terms of girls and boys, is there any huge difference in those presenting with the hip injuries? It's it's mostly uh, boy men, mostly young men that present with with hip injuries. Um, we're not sure why that is the case. Um, uh, whether it's it's the fact, well, there's a number of factors. Obviously, there's more men playing GA than girls, and and that alone could be the, the main issue. Um, but but I, I certainly see it in both sexes. Um, but it's it's mainly men, and it probably reflects the numbers of of men playing GA and and and, and sport in general. So finally, the ball is very much back in the GA's court, as far as you're concerned, in terms of. What needs to be done? Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. I suppose phrase it like that. I, I suppose it's about constantly reminding the coaches, the GA, the chairman, the vice chairman of various you know county boards that um, this structure warmer program is out there. Um, it has been supported by the GA over the last number of years. Um, the frustration and the challenge is that the implementation is just too slow for my for my liking. Um, and then we just need to constantly engage, constantly encourage, um, get the word out there that this is out there um, and try and, and figure out the most uh, effective way of implementing uh, a structured program like this. Perhaps there should be some point of contact in every GA club, almost like a medical officer that could advise coaches? Yeah, again, that's a good, that's a good point. Um, again, in, in the last few weeks, we've engaged with the ladies GA here in Cork to try and implement this program. Um, and uh, the, the guys in the Marlick Arena have been uh, supportive of this. Um, I, I think the point of contact, uh, in my opinion, uh, and, and, they're, and they're there already in a lot of clubs, is a physiotherapist. Um, and so these exercises are very much in the realm of a physiotherapist uh, to ensure that the coaches um, are implementing the exercises correctly and the coaches are empowered to try and figure out who is at risk of injury or not. And a lot of that is, is best served and delivered by a physiotherapist. Uh, so uh, when we were discussing this recently and trashing this out, um, yeah, I think the club, the designated club physiotherapist is probably the best person to try and encourage the implementation of this rather than the likes.
likes of me, I, I'm, I, you know, as I said, I, I end up seeing the end results in terms of injuries. Um, and, and so, you know, as part of my remit as, as, a, as a sports surgeon is to do everything we can to minimize the risk. Are you as busy as ever in terms of sports injuries? Yeah, I think in medicine, you, you won't be out of, a, out of a job no matter what country you're working in. Um, and certainly the same applies to, to sports injuries. Um, you know, as I said a minute ago, we can't uh, stop all injuries in sport. There's a limited risk in sport. Um, but from, you know, allowing me to sleep better at night, you know, as long as I, I do everything I can to uh, minimize that risk and ensure that people don't end up injuring themselves, um, um, all, all I end up doing then is, is, is treating as best I can those who, who do end up being injured. Um, the concept of injury prevention is not new. Uh, it's been in other jurisdictions for years. Uh, the Americans have this Stop Injuries program um, for, for a number of years now, and it's just a case of trying to implement such a program here in this country. Okay, but finally, back to our point midway through, we definitely don't want to be putting parents or children off sport the importance of sport is still absolutely so critical and so vital. Absolutely, and, and I'm, I'm glad you brought, you reminded me of that point once more. I mean, we do have um, an obesity problem in this country. We have a lot of kids that are, are unfortunately overweight, um, and uh, you know that point needs to be brought home again. That you know it is important that we, that we encourage our kids to exercise. Uh, it is medicine not only in in kids but all the way through life in terms of getting exercise. I see the whole gamut of patients in my office, from the teenagers to to, to retired couples um, and, and exercise is medicine. It's important that we, that we maintain that. And that's it for this week's podcast. Our thanks again to all our guests for joining us on the show today. Thanks also to Larry Ryan, who edits and produces this podcast each and every week. To subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, just search for Examiner Sport. And don't forget to leave a rating and a review. We always welcome your feedback. You can also listen on SoundCloud, on Stitcher and on YouTube. Or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook or at irishexaminer.com forward slash podcast. We're back again next Monday, maybe Easter Monday, but we'll still be here and look forward to your company once more. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.